welcome to Asking Eve, the regular podcast brought to you by Emily and Lara, the mother-daughter duo behind Advancing Eve. Our podcast series will bring you a variety of conversations with girls and women who are just like us and you, making their way through life. We hope you enjoy. So hello again and welcome to another Asking Eve podcast. Today I'm delighted to have a friend and associate join me, uh, Angela Cox, who is the principal of Borders College. Welcome. Thank you and thanks for asking me to do this. Oh, I'm not really at all. Flattered. Not at all. You've got a really interesting story, so I'm very excited about our conversation. So we'll just start um, with a little bit of an introduction. Do you want to tell our listeners how you know me and how we came to be recording today? Um, yeah, well, Emily was one of the um, sort of first um, people I met when I started working in the borders about three and a half years ago. Um, and at that time I was really keen to um, establish some networks with um, aspiring and um, female leaders um, across the borders um, because um, as, as a, a woman in leadership um, it can be quite isolating sometimes yeah, um, and I was new to the area so um, I reached out and, and we held an event, I think That's it was, right. yeah, yes, and yes. Emily came along. And With a bright orange jacket on. <laughs> yeah, and we just took it from there yeah. and we've been on quite an interesting journey, I think, over the last three and a half years. Absolutely, and I think that there's more to come as well, so it'll be, it'll be Hopefully. good. We're on a mission. Yes. <laughs> so you're principal of Borders College, um, which is the further education um, college in the Scottish borders and you offer a broad variety of additional services and, and programmes and, and things as well. Um, but let's wind it back before we get to how you came to being here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about young Angela? So where did you grow up? What were your interests? And what was your dream career? You know, the general kind of okay. intro stuff. Um, so I grew up in Cumbernauld in um, North Lanarkshire. In Glasgow, um, I suppose at the time I, I just saw it as quite a, a normal um, upbringing, quite working class parents, um, did okay at school, mm -hmm. um, wasn't particularly focused, um, quite a rebellious teenager. Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> I, I, Although look, I can't, I can't yeah. even reconcile that with you now at all. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't give my mum and dad an easy time of really? it as a teenager, yeah. Um, always wanting to push the boundaries yeah. and, and do something a bit different. I look back now and I realise actually at points in my childhood, probably we were quite um, poor. Uh -huh. um, but I didn't, I think in those days, a lot of people were in the same position. Absolutely. So we didn't recognise it as, as that. Not at all. What um, did your parents do then? For, for um, my, well, my mum was a, a civil servant. She um, worked for um, the tax office and my dad had spent a lot of his working life, I'm not going to say career because I don't think it, it was particularly a, a career-focused yeah. working life in the whiskey breweries, but he was made redundant really at the height of the recession in, okay. in the 80s and, yep. and they struggled um, for quite a long time before he then became re-employed and, and he did get another job but um, you know that was quite difficult because I'd always 
being in a family where both parents worked uh-huh. and um, that that was the norm to my dad um, being at home and I really sort of funny aside he'd, he'd kill me for saying this but I remember coming home from school one day and we had a massive utility room and this utility room was full of wet washing uh-huh. um, because um, he had decided that he better do something to help in the house so he'd done all this washing but what he couldn't bring himself to do was hang it out on the line. Oh my goodness. And he waited for me to come home to school to do that. So knowing me, Emily, you can imagine my response. <laughs> hang it was, out yourself. <laughs> there was an almighty hoo-ha uh-huh. um, because I just refused yeah. um, to do it and gave him a lecture on being sexist and, and all of that. And we still laugh about it now. <laughs> so um, how old would you have been then? Oh, I was a, a young teenager, uh-huh. um, you know. 13, 14. So, so you was, knew your own voice then I, I was from a very early back. Age. Yeah. Um, How nice of your dad, though, because actually we've talked with other people about um, the shifts in homemaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and that must have been quite that would have been unusual for somebody in that of that generation and that time to think right I'm going to help around the house wouldn't it yeah and and it was just it it was very odd um because he was the one that always um really pushed me to say you can do anything you want to do and never let anyone tell you that you can't do anything Uh and at that point you know I really wanted to go off and travel and and things and um, he was always the one pushing to to get away and uh-huh, do something uh-huh. different whereas my mum was very much we, we were really close um, and would have been quite happy for me to settle down with two wee bits of kids yes a couple of doors but, down where she could yeah, pop yeah. in every day and yeah, see yeah and go the shopping together yeah, on Saturday yes, and yes. that sort of thing well so. that sounds familiar as well yeah yeah so um so your so dad must really have seen something the way that he was like, no, she needs more. Yeah, and I think um, I I argued with my dad a lot more as a teenager, and and now I realise that's actually probably because we're quite alike. Yeah, yeah. Um, so both um, got very sort of strong opinions <laughs> <laughs> on things. Not a bad thing at all. Yeah. And when you were really young, I mean, did you have career aspirations? You know, you've mentioned travel already, but before that, I mean, did you have a dream job that you that you wanted to do? Um, well, I wanted to be a, a shoe designer, fashion designer, Absolutely. But particularly in shoes. That's all I was interested in. <laughs> That's really funny because before we became sort of as friendly as we are now, I've always looked at your shoes and like, she just carries <laughs> off the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. Yeah. Yes, why not, Jimmy Chu? Uh, absolutely, <laughs> and I do have shoes in my wardrobe that I can't wear because they're too high, or but they just they're just completely awesome. impractical, or I wouldn't want to mess them up. Ah, yeah, so yeah. I just sit there. I bring them out occasionally. Wear them in the house. On. Yeah. <laughs> not to hang the washing out, though. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> so. um you obviously had aspirations to travel from a, a mm-hmm. young age. Um, you decided not to go to university after school, is that right? Yeah, I think um, it, it was a last-minute thing. So I actually had a, a place at university to um, study textiles in, in Dundee, uh-huh. um, but no-one in my family had ever gone to university, so no-one really um, spoke to me about what that would look like and and you know where I, I lived and was brought up no one really had the sort of career 
talk with you and um, at the last minute I sort of chickened out. Wow. And um, But you'd actually been, you'd secured a place. Yeah, yeah. So even getting to that point, your family must have been so proud and did you feel the weight of that on your shoulders? I think, yeah, I, th- I think I did and I think it was that real pressure of... Um, what happens if I fail mm. um, and a lack of confidence perhaps to go yeah. alone because yeah. I didn't know anyone else that had um, done that and I, I sort of felt as if I was on a little bit of a, a treadmill so I, I had obviously um, some talent in terms of getting my um, hires and, and sixth form studies it was then mm-hmm. and a portfolio to yeah, be sent yeah. off yeah. Um, but I hadn't really, I suppose, a lack of maturity and a lack of um, confidence to think about this is what the rest of my career might look like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't go. And um, at that time, you know, there wasn't an awful lot of um, work about unless you wanted to perhaps work in the factory, which I absolutely wasn't going to do. Unless you um, were the four lady. Um, and um, my my parents were sort of well you're not lying on the couch like a lot of the teenagers I come across now so you you need to find something yeah Um, and I saw an advert in the evening times saying um, we're looking for people to study an HND in beauty therapy sciences um, and I thought, oh, I'll give that a go. Just do that. That's all right. Yeah. Like makeup. <laughs> yeah. so the age of new romantics. Oh, yeah. with lots of colour. Love it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, I did that. And actually, that was really, really good for me because it exposed me to a different life and a different world. Um, and it, it, I always reflect now about the life-changing opportunities that education gives people. Yeah. Because it really did change something in me and, and give me confidence to um, perhaps go off and, and be independent and get away from the street that I'd always grown up in. And how do you think that happened? Because, so where did you study? Was it in Glasgow? Did you do? Did yeah, you study? I studied, um, it was a College of Commerce in Glasgow. It's now City of Glasgow um, College and... And what was it? A two-year, a two-year two HND okay. um, course because I, I achieved my hires and and had some six-year um, studies as well. So um, it wasn't an issue in terms of getting on the program. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, you know, I just I, I sort of got into that and thought, well, I'll do this for a couple of years and and see, see what, what happens. happens. So going into Glasgow would have been new on yeah. your own every day as opposed yeah. to just going to the, the local school but then beyond that how did it open up opportunity to you out with Glasgow or out with Scotland even yeah I think I think it was a range of of people that were on um the program and actually my best friend now is a friend that I met on the first day of that um oh, really? course and um, who lives in Uddingston part of the reason why I've ended up um with a, a flat in Uddingston so um it it was just about being exposed, I want to say, to different people, different cultures, different backgrounds. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There was only, um, at that time, 36 places, I think it was, 
for the whole of Scotland on an HND and beauty therapy. No way. And actually, really? yeah, yeah, it was tiny. It it wasn't a big no, no. thing then. Um, and we had some fee-paying students who had travelled from... Um, we had someone from Cyprus, someone from um, Portugal. Um, we had some English students and we had an American and we had a man um, as part of that cohort of, of 36. So, so a very eclectic mix with quite a small total mm-hmm. number. Yeah. So you'd really have felt the, yeah. the differences in the cultures and everything. I can't believe that it was such a small number. Yeah. yeah, and you had to be 18 to study beauty therapy as well. There we go, there we go. So I think we're not dissimilar ages, and I think I can remember um, the whole growing up and thinking about going to uni, and there was definitely a, a section of society that, that kind of said whether it was overtly or otherwise, if you were really going to make it in life, you kind of had to go to uni. Mm-hmm. Did you feel a sense of that? Or or um, did you were your parents disappointed that you chose not to go because do you think they thought, oh my goodness, she could, she could really go far because she's got this place at uni? Um, yeah, I think there, there was disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, but also... You know, there was so much going on at that time in terms of, um, you know, things were quite tough in Scotland. So my dad was unemployed. Um, My mum had started, you know, back at work. She she didn't work until we'd gone to high school. And um, I think they just wanted me to be safe and happy and not get in with the wrong crowd. Yeah. That that was their biggest worry, you know, just... Because um, we would be around about the time of Grange Hill, just say no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it, all of that. Uh-huh, so. uh-huh. I remember, yeah, definitely. Well, that that's good, and I think that um, we've covered with a couple of different guests the whole, it's so important that young people today are aware of the fact that university is not the only path and that yeah. you've got so many other alternatives and it's it's great to hear from somebody mm. who had an opportunity to go to university, decided it wasn't quite right for whatever reason, um, but has still had an amazing career without having gone down that road at that particular time. But we'll, we'll carry on. Yeah. So, um, so then you travelled. Is that right? Or was there an in-between yes. stage? Um, no, well, I left, um, graduated from college and um, started working in the West End of Glasgow um, at a small salon. And then I was paid off from there. Um, and I thought, what, what am I going to do? Uh-huh. And I had a friend who um, had been off on cruise ships. And I thought, well, this is my ideal opportunity to get away. So I um, applied and um, went and spent um, um, six weeks, I think, in London, mm-hmm. um, training with um, Steiner and then um, went off to America and spent a year and a half in America on a couple of cruise ships out there, came back and then joined Pino and did a world cruise um, with them. Wow. And it it was just brilliant yeah. you know I, I saw the world you know I've been to most places uh, I have to remind myself now that it was uh, nearly 30 years ago because in my head it was still you yeah. know, five years ago uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, 
and and that again opened up a whole new world and experience and the learning that you take from that you know on some of the ships you're sharing the cabin with three other um females oh my goodness and um, small space shared shower and, <laughs> and um some cruise ships you were allowed up on deck with the passengers other cruise ships you were always under deck and you had a separate um sort of crew area so very different cultures even within um those ships but i just absolutely loved seeing the world and yeah, exploring yeah. and the fact you woke up every day and you were somewhere different, somewhere different. it's just great i have travel envy listening to that but anyone that knows me who is listening knows that i'm just the world's worst traveler so when we went on our honeymoon which was 10 days in the south of france i was so homesick we had to come back after eight days oh, Emily. <laughs> But I love listening to that. So there's actually quite a few things within that little bit that I think is really worth them talking about further, if that's okay. Uh So obviously we're going through this horrendous situation that is COVID-19. And already we can identify that economically the 16 to 24-year-olds are are really suffering Mm. as a consequence, just trying to get onto the the career ladder. How did you feel getting made redundant um, that first time from your with your first job? Um, well, I think it's a, a further knock on a confidence that wasn't particularly high anyway, yes. and you feel a little bit rejected. Yeah. Um, and you're you go away thinking, did I do something wrong, and, uh-huh. and why was it me? Yeah. Um, but you know, retrospectively, you you realise that actually. I was the least experienced, last in the door, cheapest to pay off. Yeah, so um, you can look back very objectively, yeah. but at the time it was just emotional. Yeah. and Yeah, and, and it's that um, feeling of, um, oh, what do I do now? Yes. Um, and, you know, when you, when you work and the attractiveness for a lot of young people going straight into to work if they decide not to continue and study is having that sense of independence and their own money and being able to make your own choices about how you spend that money. You know, looking back, I probably spent it a load of rubbish. (laughs) I had a good time doing it. All life experience. Had a great time doing (laughs) it. I bet Um, the shoes were awesome. (laughs) I always had good shoes, Emily. I once had a matching hat, coat and shoes. Really? Not really necessary for Glasgow, but anyway, (laughs) um, I felt fab. Um, so I, I think what's what's really difficult is returning back to that dependence on parents and family. Yeah. Um, and you do feel as if your life's gone backwards, backwards. and rejected. Yeah. You've been rejected from society. Oh in my a goodness! Way. At, at um, such a, I mean, it, it must be awful at any age. But when you're just becoming an adult and becoming independent, it must really. Yeah. really feel very difficult to, to take. So how long were you um, unemployed, I suppose, for before um, you decided? Well, not, quit? not long good, because good. almost, um, you know, because I didn't want to be dependent. No. I didn't want to um, exist within the same bubble that I had been brought up and uh-huh. um, lived in and, and on the same street. So very quickly I did apply um, for the cruise ships and I think I was within three months I was 
um, down in you London, down in London training. Yeah. Um, so that's the next thing I wanted to, to move on to actually was going to London. So you've gone from your bubble to being nervous about Dundee to going into Glasgow to then making this decision to first of all be in London for six yeah. weeks to then go anywhere around the world. It sounds like a massive shift in confidence or ability to overcome a fear of yeah. you know not having that confidence mm. so were you aware of that transition and how did you push yourself through it was it just purely because you were redundant made redundant and this was the only option or well no I think um you you don't think about it so much at the time so um I've always been someone that um has struggled with confidence but at the same time thought I've got to overcome this yes. because I don't want it to limit my ambitions yes. and what deep down I really know I'm capable of um, and on the one hand I had parents saying go off and see the world do do whatever you need to do because actually the, the opportunities here are pretty limited at the uh -huh. moment um, but then at the same time, you know, when I arrived in London, the conversation with my dad, because my interview wasn't till three o'clock in the afternoon the first time, was I had to phone him every hour on the hour. And at that point... I'm still was, okay. Yeah, at that point it was pay phones. You oh, know, yeah, so 10p. Every hour and box. I was like, oh, I'm still here, it's okay. <laughs> so what have you seen? What have you done? Uh -huh. So so I, I don't think I um, consciously thought, well, this is me overcome another barrier that just felt um you know nervous and um uh, good bit... nervous I'm sure in the in the mix somewhere as well yeah yeah, yeah yeah just sort of gives you that energy somehow doesn't it to, to push you over it, it, yeah. it does yeah and um I suppose looking back as well it's about um feeling okay with feeling uncomfortable and that's the only way you grow and develop yeah, but at the yeah. time I, I wouldn't have consciously thought about that no. I would have just thought oh I feel a bit sick about this but I know I've got to do it yeah exactly and I think there hopefully will be a lot of people listening that take from that and, mm. and know the whole concept of being comfortable with feeling uncomfortable yeah. is something the quicker that you can get used to that I think the you know the further that you'll be able to take yourself because mm. otherwise you can ex you can hold yourself back can't you yeah definitely. yeah right so um the cruise ships very interested in the cruise ships um what life skills do you think that environment I mean it must have been like a little micro world mm -hmm. yeah on the sea uh, so what life skills do you think you learn um I think it's about um tolerance um flexibility um you know you could be working and living alongside someone that you didn't particularly like or uh -huh. you didn't share their yes. values but you have to find a way of rubbing along yeah um i suppose resilience as well you know there are times when um you know things weren't great at, at sea um maybe you felt a bit lonely or a bit homesick yeah. or um things happened you know so we um had a situation once where um we th this is on the Canberra um there had been a big tanker fire and people were injured and hurt and the ship had to divert to go and 
um, a sort of collect, rescue people. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was quite that was quite hard. And uh-huh. you play your your part, so a real tight knit um, team then comes together, yeah, even though, yeah. though you wouldn't in usual circumstances come together. Um, and being very very creative because sometimes we used to run out of stock or uh-huh. we had to we had targets to make in terms of income. Oh, um, really? And and also about making sure you live life to the full. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we had such a fantastic time. It's uh, a lot stricter now, is it? <laughs> um, but then we had a a whale of a time. In my head, I have um the dirty dancing scenario, but on a cruise ship where you've got the staff quarters. It, it's <laughs> exactly it's exactly that you know. So you. You'd have the the crew bar, and you would maybe get guest comedians that were coming on to do things for the passengers. But then they would be paid a bit extra to come down and do a show for the crew, which usually involved a, a slab of beer. Uh huh. Um, and um, you know they would end up staying in the crew bar all night, and lots of stories that <laughs> we couldn't make. No, not um, at all. Public, but <laughs> I say yeah. this all the time off podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely off. <laughs> Yeah, everyone's got to do that. Yes, oh yeah, yeah. So um, for any younger listener, I'd recommend watching Dirty Dancing. It's quite a good film. (laughs) If you want to get the ideas. (laughs) So again, this is great because you're saying so much that I think is is really worth kind of spending some time on. I wonder now if there is a real miss... um, understanding within the younger generations that everybody's best buddies with everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that you've you know identified that not everybody gets on Mm -hmm. but you have to get you still have to work together yeah um so it's so good to hear people Mm -hmm. just say that like do you know what it's absolutely fine if you're not best friends with everybody all the time it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or anything wrong with them you're just different yeah and it's just tolerance isn't it and um accepting that you've got a job to do yeah 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 so um do you think your learning journey is similar to that of young people today, or do you think it was do you think it was different? Um, I think now in particular it will be similar in that um, careers are estimated to change going forwards of the four to five and a half years. Really? Um, so, so that will be the pace of change wow. um, in terms of technological advances and, and disruption. So for me, I've, I've had quite a, um, you know, checkered career, I suppose, to get with them. At. And, and looking back, I'm quite comfortable with that uh-huh. because I've taken lots of learning from those different roles. I think um, perhaps um, in 10 years ago, it would all be about give people really great careers advice so that they choose the right career and then they'll stay in that career for their entirety. Yeah. I think we need to accept now that actually... There may be areas that we're very interested in, but our job roles will change quite significantly within that yeah. that sector yeah. or area. Um, so I think, and coming out of um, COVID as well, and you talked about the challenge for for young people in there, is. Um, any experience is a good experience yeah, it's absolutely. what you make of it so it doesn't matter if your first job is 
um, I don't know, in in a supermarket or in care or in one of the sectors where work is available. It's a learning you take from mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. take every opportunity to develop yep. yourself yep. Um, and um, get some experience and yeah. it will stand you in good stead. I think so. And I think um, going into anything, realising or being very mindful of the fact that you can make it a good experience if you're prepared to be open to that, I think is quite important. It would be quite easy to feel down about life choices or career choices yeah. if it's not what you expected mm-hmm. it to be at this point in time. Yeah. But um, and I think it's great that you're, you know, even say yourself, it's been a checkered career path. But I think that's brilliant. You know, it's way more interesting. So, um, where did you go then after the cruise ships? So how did you get from being working on the cruise ships to being chief exec and principal of Borders <laughs> College? So um, I met my husband on cruise ships, that old cliche. I, I went to meet, uh, well, actually, I didn't think I would ever get married. I said I wasn't going to get married. Um, but I thought, you know, you might meet a rich officer or something. <laughs> I came home with a waiter, but anyway, you can't. <laughs> You can't predict who you fall That's in love it. with. Yeah, That's I it. know. I love that. So we um, <laughs> we, we met on the the camber and we realised actually, you know, it's it's not a good way to conduct a relationship because everybody knows everything about you. You know, there's no privacy or uh-huh. um, space. So we went back on land and it was a case of whoever um, got the best job first. Um, Andrew um, got a job in a, a hotel, um, food and beverage manager in um, the outskirts of Reading. Um, so I moved down there um, and I, I was working as a, a manager in a day spa um, and the owner had a, a product range and they asked me to do some training mm-hmm. um, for people that ah. were taking the train on. So I, I realised actually I quite liked this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I enrolled myself on um, a, a teaching course in night school for adult education. Um, and then adult, Andrew got another job down in um, the New Forest. So we moved down there. I started working at Bournemouth and Poole College. Um, and I have to say, I owe that college a, an awful lot. Um, so I started working there part-time, mm-hmm. got a permanent job, took every training opportunity that was available to me. So I retrained as a teacher. Then I, do, I did a degree in um, post-compulsory education, um, BA honours. Um, and did you do that full-time? No, oh, so I, I did it all um, in the evening, yeah, um, part-time. Um, then I got the chance to do a postgraduate in leadership, um, which I, I did again before the university. And then they paid for me to do the first year of my MBA through the Open University. And at that time in the college, every, every couple of years, some sort of opportunity came up. And, and I think there's something in me that I, I'm constantly restless. Yes. Yeah. So I like um I like challenge. I like um learning. Um I like um I suppose developing new things. So every time an opportunity came up I was thinking, Oh, I'd quite like that. That would be quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I ended up as a, a part time sessional lecturer and ended up on their executive team as ex- 
Executive Director for Innovation and Learning, you know, nice wow. snappy title. Yes. Um, and I realised then that I wanted to be a principal and I knew that I I loved Bournemouth. Uh-huh. I, you know, it was I was there for 15 years. It gave me so much. But I knew that if I w- was ever going to do the job well, I needed to have a different type of experience because that college was all I'd ever known Okay, yeah. for um, sort of 15 years. So I got a job in Liverpool as deputy principal for um, Transformation. It was a college that was absolutely on its knees financially, quality, reputation. Um, and it's probably the hardest I've worked ever really? for like four and a half years turning it around. Yeah. Um, but with a fantastic chief exec, um, Elaine Bowker, and I just um, so admired what she'd taken on. You know, when you think about courageous leadership, you know, she just She's up kept there. on it. Many of people will have folded before uh-huh. then. You know, the media was a brilliant mentor brutal. for you. Then. Yeah, the politics were of against course. us, everything. Yes, yes. Um, and. Um, I sort of came out the other end of that and thought, right, I'm ready. Yeah, my turn. Um, yeah, and um, I was really fortunate to get the, the role in Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth, so the borders. Uh-huh. Um, and the rest is history. And here you are. So, again, there's a lot in here. Uh, First question is, when you moved up to Liverpool, did, is Andrew now following you because you've yeah. got the best job? <laughs> yeah, so it was a bit of role reverse. So, yeah. so I Jeez. followed him for the first couple of years and then he um followed me yes yes Fantastic. and um you know he's from Nyla White so a tiny little island in the south of England <laughs> and I sort of slowly kept pushing him back up north further and further uh, up, and up he's north. he's not someone that likes moving and change you know he really <laughs> he really loved Bournemouth didn't Aww. want to move so I sold Liverpool as uh, an English Glasgow and he Tick. quite liked that because he'd known Glasgow <laughs> for a while. And then I said, and we've got another move. So da, da, da. so he's got used to me now. Yes, he's all yeah. right. It's, it sounds like you're perfectly supportive of each other, which is lovely. Yes, yeah. yeah I couldn't do this without him. Yeah, he's yeah. absolutely brilliant and very tolerant of last minute cancellations Uh and late nights um so politics aside he is dennis thatcher to your mrs thatcher absolutely (laughs) absolutely yes um and yeah let's go back to learning as an adult so you didn't go to uni straight out of school but it sounds like you have just gone full throttle into that whole academic world mm. as an adult with a, a degree, a postgrad, and then an MBA. You're not doing things lightly or by half by, by doing all of that whilst working. And uh, do you think that as an a- adult learner, is it a completely different experience? Um, yes, and and I do have regrets now about not making the most of my education and the opportunities that I had when I was younger. Because if I had applied myself, Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, I wouldn't have had the lost weekends, the all-nighters, the lots of caffeine because you're getting up for work in the morning and finishing a deadline and everything the night before. Um, But I think the reverse of that is um, when you have life experience... 
um, it's much easier to apply that to Definitely. your study and, and make it real for yourself. Yes, yes. Um, which I think is always a struggle for young people. So, um, you know, if they're studying to be in the care sector but have never actually experienced the care sector, it's quite difficult for them sometimes to do that applied learning. So uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, I think... Um, you know, I, I've been really lucky and supported and, and had supportive employers um, throughout that journey. And that's something that um, is quite important to me in my role now yeah. in terms of mentoring the next generation and, and what my legacy will be yeah. whenever I go on and do whatever I do next, one day. Yeah. Um, but I would say... You know, if you have the opportunity when you're young, then take, take it because you don't have the baggage and worry about mortgage and all oh, of everything those else, all yeah. those delights. Yeah. yeah. And um, so the academic certification, was that essential for your career progression, do you think? Did you did you need to do or was it just because you're so personally um, yeah. in love with learning? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, so I think. It, it was important that I um, had a degree mm -hmm. um, because I work in education. Mm -hmm. um, but some of it is a little bit like a security blanket or validation yes, of you. absolutely know what you're, where um, you're coming from. So, and I think particularly because um, I never shy away from where I've come from as a beauty therapist. Yeah. Um, and and still love the industry now, yeah. um, but there is a real stigma Definitely. that people are somehow less intelligent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I, I suppose um, this is about my own insecurities. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there was a need in me to prove people wrong. Uh -huh. So if I had um, time and capacity now i would love to do a doctorate yes. not not because i need that no but just because i, I almost want to stick it up oh, <laughs> i know exactly you know and, yeah, and sometimes in the world that i operate you know there's so much academic snobbery, snobbery. yeah you know yeah. They, they sort of look down your nose and and i've become a wee bit more rebellious as I've become more confident uh -huh. in my role and where I'm at. And actually, sometimes I really like putting into the conversation that I started as a beauty therapist. Yeah. And um, because sometimes people don't know what to do with themselves. Oh, then. I think it's great. I absolutely think it's great. And it, that when I heard that was your starting position, I was like, I need to do a podcast with, with Angela because I think you're absolutely right. There's so much snobbery around that sector and I think I have it down here actually. So in 2018, the sector was worth 28.4 billion pounds to the UK economy. It's almost predominantly all female. Yeah. Like females are driving that huge chunk of economic activity, and they're not doing it. They're not managing to do it because they're of lesser intelligence than anybody else. They're yeah. doing it because they're probably more intelligent, and you know they can identify an opportunity and respond to it, and they're agile, and you know they're developing mm. all of the time. But no, I, I totally I get what you're saying, and the whole PhD thing it just keeps coming up all the time. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen on LinkedIn recently. There's a um a photo. I'm sure there's various versions, but it's I bumped into an ex recently and he asked me if I was Miss or Mrs and I said doctor <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. which I would I mean that would just be awesome yeah. wouldn't it yeah um 
So that's interesting. Oh, well, we can do a PhD together then. We've, we can, we've got yeah. time, yeah, because it's, it's on my list as well. But I'm the same, I, you know, absolutely. Um, it wouldn't be for any reason other than I would just want it for yeah. myself. The, there's something about becoming a lifelong learner as well. And I have to say, um, I mean, it must be four years ago now, so I finished my um, MBA. And, and I do sort of miss... Yeah. I miss the study mm-hmm. and I, I find it a good distraction for work. Yeah, yeah. And I also... Which sounds um, crazy, doesn't I know it, it does. It, I know and I also find it um, helpful to perhaps work through some of the issues or problems that you've got at work because you're thinking through a theory or, yes. you know... You do some research. You get a wee light bulb it, moment from yeah. one, and then you're like, "Ah, oh, right, that's why that's happening." Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it may not be a PhD, but I, I do see myself doing some Something further else. study at some point. However, when I finished my MBA, I did promise my husband I wouldn't do any more study for yes, a while. Yes, yes, because he was a bit demented. We had by... a very similar conversation. Uh, Jamie said, "I'll divorce you if you do a PhD." <laughs> Could have been because all the times that I spent crying, going, "Why am I doing this?" <laughs> so the two roles—I mean, take it right back to your very first job in Glasgow as a beauty therapist to um, principal and chief exec of Borders College. Any comparison at all? You know, is there anything that you can sort of take that that's been with you all of that through all of that time, or are they just so completely different that it's you can almost kind of believe it, that it's the same you? Sorry, I'm going to cough. Oh, it's can fine. You cut that out. No, it's fine. Just cough away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose it's the organisation that, that I'm a chief exec of, um, which is people centred. So the, there's similarities in terms of how you would conduct yourself in yep. both of those roles. So um, when I was in the salon, when you're working with a client is is very much about that client and it's about customer service it's about getting the product right it's about being able to um communicate and empathize um and it's not dissimilar in terms of um running a college you know at the end of the day um students are our um customer and we need to get that right and we need to have empathy for the the challenges that they have or their starting points um and that that sort of level of understanding and being able to adapt and flex so um i think for me there are commonalities mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's people centered yeah yeah that's um, perfect yeah and and you know i always say i've taken the learning from the journey that i've been on and i still apply it today today yeah you know and i don't know if i would have had all of that experience and um skill now if I hadn't been on the journey that I've been been on on. yeah no that that's great and I think I wanted to ask the question because I was hoping that you'd say something like that because I do think there is a a real stigma around uh, people that choose beauty as a as a career and even sometimes maybe they might themselves feel like they're just accepting something that is less worthy which is absolutely not the case but it 
you know, it's it's such a good career and teaches you so much and can actually be a great foundation for taking you anywhere that you want to go, whether that is still within that sector or just a complete change like, like you've yeah, done. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with that, Emily. And I think it's really important that whatever you decide to do, you enjoy it yeah. and you're interested in it. Yeah. And I might have come to it from a sort of strange start because no one sat me down and said it would be a good idea if you did this. Yeah. Um, but I I enjoy the industry. Even now, um, two of my closest friends down in Bournemouth, they're still teaching uh-huh. um, down there. You know, when we get together, it's all about what's happening in the spas yes. and the latest treatments. And what's not to love, eh? Yeah, I, well, exactly. I mm-hmm. love it. Who, yeah. who doesn't who love doing? a massage? I know. <laughs> Um, so so I think you've got to enjoy what you do and you're passionate about what you you do and then you'll always be okay yeah YOLO is what is it they say you only live once if Lara was here she'd be rolling her eyes at me now because I'm trying to be cool (laughs) (laughs) okay so last question then Um, if you could speak to your 10 year old self what would you tell the young Angela Um, to believe in myself a little bit more you could make me cry um to know that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um. That and actually, you've got more about you than perhaps you thought you did. Yeah. Um. At that I age. actually well it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Yeah, that's is that it? Because that's yeah. really lovely. Yeah, I wish. Isn't it? You just wish you could say to every 10, 11, 12, 15 year old girl, yeah. oh God, it is going to be all right, and you really have got so yeah. much opportunity and so much more. Yeah. I, I sometimes see those letters, you know, the letter to my younger self, oh, yes, and yes. and you just think, oh, all the things you worried about, I you know, know, I know, you know, my my legs are too skinny or white, or uh-huh. you know, I've got ginger hair that I'm talking about myself. <laughs> um, you know, all those things yeah. just they just don't matter. They really don't. I know um, it's yeah. such a waste that you get to this stage and then you realise that you think, oh, I wish I could go back. I know. I look back <laughs> in pictures and think, oh, I wish I was like that again. <laughs> I do sometimes too, but not at that time when I was 11 and I had a really bad perm. <laughs> yeah, perms were big for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just around about the same time as you just say no. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so that's us. Um, really, thank you so much for your time today. I know that you're really, really busy, so I very much appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, is there anything that you want to say? No, just thank you very much for asking me. I feel no very um, honoured and uh, I feel as if it's been a therapy session, actually. Oh. <laughs> Got a lot off my chest. Yes, yeah. I don't have a PhD, but I'll pretend I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you very much and we'll see you again. Thank you.